0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Mickey. Hey, guys. How's it going?
1: Good. Sorry about the delay. We had a little uh, uh, issue on your phone number. I guess we we relayed it wrong from one person to the other, Wes.
0: No problem. I'm ready to go.
1: So how would you, in one word, describe the Cowboys' loss to the Niners the other day? What's What's the word that describes the mood of that particular loss?
0: I would say two words: either frustrating or disappointing. Yeah, I think that you know when you see the season they had, uh, the fact that they had home field advantage, uh, and then you are only able to go out and score uh, seventeen points. uh, I guarantee you, nobody in this building around here is happy. Uh, You know, they're still not happy today, and they probably won't be happy for a couple weeks. Uh, this one's going to linger. I think it 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 really uh, stings. But, you know, guys, I, I've always had this uh, philosophy that uh, you can mask your warts uh, during the regular season, but in the playoffs they get exposed. And I think the Cowboys' shortcomings uh, probably all season long that they were able to overcome – Uh, got exposed by San Francisco in this playoff game.
1: I want to delve into that, and obviously when we we have you on, I want to talk a little bit more about the teams that are still left. But um, Tony Romo obviously knows the Cowboys organization well, and he was saying before kickoff that if the Cowboys don't win this game, this season is a failure. Is that an overstatement?
0: Well, I mean, it's a failure in the Cowboys' uh, minds. Because, as Mike McCarthy said, after they finished 12-5 and five and won the NFC East, he said now we're at the starting line, meaning they expected to do those things. Now you have to go and try to exceed what your expectations uh, were and uh, get some goals that you set for yourself. So I don't know if it's a total failure. I mean, think about this. How many teams go from 6-10 and 10 to 12-5? and five? And, and I think we forget how bad they were last year. Uh, now, there were reasons for that, and there were reasons going into the season that I thought they'd be much better uh, than what they were last year, and they were. Uh, but they were not good enough in that playoff game uh, for however many reasons you want to go over uh, to advance to a second-round uh, playoff game and you know end up going back to Tampa Bay.
1: Mickey, I didn't think Dak looked as mobile this year, um, and maybe it was because the offensive line was so bad he was always under pressure, but I, I just seem to remember him before uh, the injury being a little bit more mobile, taking off and running a little bit more. Uh, is it something, A, am I off on that, and B, is it something maybe with another year of uh, maybe getting comfortable with his ankle that he, he could become a little bit more mobile?
0: Well, I, I don't think they called as many RPOs, meaning he had run options, you know, run-pass-option plays uh, to run as much. Now, you know, we saw what happens when he's mobile, right? You know, there's a downside to it if you do too much. Uh, And I don't know if that was by design in the offense or uh, if it was in his head. He looked mobile enough to me when he did run. uh, And, and, you know, as you, you just pointed out, he did run for that touchdown, um, so I, I don't think mobility uh, was a problem. Uh, I think protection was a big problem, you know. And when you guys, when you have guys, you know, sniffing down your neck uh, for the majority of a game, it's hard to be mobile, and it's hard to throw the ball too. And, and sometimes I think we forget. Uh, in this past game, you know, the problem wasn't Dak. The problem was the offensive line. He got sacked five times and got hit 14 times trying to throw the football. So uh, it's really hard to be accurate when you're under that much pressure uh, the entire game. And I think San Francisco's idea was, you know, we're going to make sure you don't get the ball down the field, but we think we can stop your running game with just our regular front without devoting anybody else to it. And then if we can do that, we think we can beat your offensive line with our front. And, you know, they, they created some uh, problems with uh, multiple fronts, seven guys on the line of scrimmage, rushing five, dropping a couple, six guys coming. Uh, and I think they really gave the Cowboys' offensive line a hard time the majority of that game. And just look. Look at the numbers uh, of the pressures on the quarterback, and then look at the numbers – on the running game you know they had 21 carries for 77 yards and one of those carries was the 17 yard one uh at the end of the game so that's 20 carries they had to run the ball for 60 yards And my wonderful university of missouri math tells me that's three yards a carry okay
1: uh, we keep up with uh, Jason Peters around here, uh, former Razorback. He was a great uh, tackle in the NFL, and later in his career he uh, moved to guard. Uh, got a little older, you know, injuries took a toll. Is that something the Cowboys could do with Tyron Smith?
0: I don't know about Tyron Smith. I think the maybe the more likely one could be Lael Collins moving inside. I mean, that's where he started his career before – Uh, They moved him back to his normal position in college. Uh, But I think the thing with Tyron is just, can he stay healthy? And and I think, you know, we see guys get injured, they miss games, and then they come back, uh, and they're probably not fully healthy. They're fighting through things. And, yeah, he suffered in that game. And I think between, you know, he's getting older. He's 31, right? Hmm. But he's been in the league quite some time now. Uh, I think it's probably time for the Cowboys to look at uh, readdressing that offensive line. And if that's moving Lale Collins to guard, if it means uh, Steele plays right tackle, if it means using that 24th pick in the first round uh, to draft an offensive lineman, maybe a tackle who could play guard and then move him to tackle at some point, Uh, looking at the center position. I think they've got to do that uh, very judiciously uh, this off season, because uh, you know what this reminds me of guys in that 2009 season, uh, the Cowboys, you know, go to the second round playoff game uh, at Minnesota and they got wiped out. Their offensive line just got handled and they didn't make many changes going to the next year. And in 2010, all of a sudden, it seemed like that offensive line got old overnight. Mm. And you saw what happened. They started 1-7. Jason Garrett ends up taking over for Wade Phillips. They went 5-3. and three. But the priority the next year, uh, at least in Jason Garrett's mind, was to rebuild that offensive line. And in, what, three of the next four drafts, I think it was, they used a first-round pick and an offensive lineman. Uh, I think the Cowboys have to look seriously on what they do with that first-round pick this year.
1: Mickey Spagnola joining us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. and Mickey, you know that fans are notoriously myopic, and they will look at a play or two and say that cost us the game. There's a lot more to it than that, but the final run was very frustrating. You talk about being frustrated as a as a word to describe the game. That was as frustrating as anything Clint Sterner joined us earlier this week. He called it arrogance to call that play the the quarterback run late in the game like that with a chance of you know not being able to stop the clock. Um, I'm sure it's been discussed like crazy since, but um, you know obviously there was some some thought process that went into that since they were coming out of a timeout. Um, I guess what's the reaction? The thought process? The I mean, what do you take away from that? It's uh, it was the well, first time we've ever seen that really done in a playoff game since '90 at least when they started keeping track of those kinds of things. I understand.
0: Well, I think. Uh, people from afar without knowledge of the inner workings of the play and why it turned out the way it did, uh, you know, don't know what they're talking about. Um, Number one, it's a, it's a play that they've practiced. It wasn't like, Oh, okay, let's do this. You know, they do a lot of situational practicing uh, at the end of the week in case this comes up or that comes up. So, To to set it up, there's 14 seconds left. They're at the 40-yard line, right? And did anybody talk about what San Francisco was doing on defense? Because they basically lined up probably nine, eight, eight, nine of their guys along the sidelines. They were not going to let the Cowboys run a play and get it out of bounds to get closer uh, to, uh, you know, throwing for the end zone. Uh, So – From the 40-yard line, and you can watch it on TV, and and it goes to the 20, there's not a San Francisco player in the middle of the field. So uh, the play is run the ball, get down, and and maybe Dak went a little too far uh, for how it turned out. Get down, get up, and spike it. So they did that. He slides, number one, There's a San Francisco player on top of him, and I thought when a quarterback slides in, you're not supposed to jump on top, but they did. He got up in time. They got the ball to the center because there was no official to hand the ball to. And if you go back and look, the umpire's got to touch the ball before you can snap it on the next play. And they're they're taught to... If there's nobody to hand the ball to, which there wasn't, hand the ball to the center, and he's supposed to place it on the hash mark. And that's what Tyler Biotis did. They lined up. And here comes the umpire, right? Now think about this. Dak slid in with nine seconds to go on the clock. The umpire, who's got to spot the ball, was still on the other side of the 50-yard line behind him. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like, oh, I better hurry up and get there, because they might have a chance to run another play. So when they practiced their mechanics, they practiced with the assumption that the umpire was going to be there. Well, he didn't get there till three seconds to go on the clock, and by time he touched it, and then he re-spotted it, when they got the snap off, the clock expired. So... And, you know, in theory, they did the right thing uh, in practicality. Uh, and, you know, and Mike McCarthy's been really good about not blaming the umpire. Uh, but he fell on his sword yesterday because he talked around it. And he knows darn well that umpire should have been closer uh, to the ball at the end of the play. So that's why it turned out the way they did. Now, had he slid in five yards sooner then the umpire would have had five less yards to run to get there in time, and they probably would have been able to spike the ball and had an opportunity to either throw to the end zone uh, from the 24-yard line for a Hail Mary or run five vertical receivers into the end zone and give you a shot to just throw a regular pass. So uh, I just think everybody needs to understand exactly what happened on that play and maybe it's their fault that they got to factor in that the umpire falls asleep 30 yards behind the play.
1: Or is not fast enough, one of the two. No, uh,
0: he, you know he ran pretty hard after he, he sure realized yeah. what he got himself into, right? And he went barging in there to get the ball, but I didn't understand why he touched it and then he re-spotted the ball like closer to the to the goal line. It was like, what are you doing? Right. And 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 if you noticed you guys, when he did that, he didn't go back behind the play. He went back where the umpires used to be, behind the defensive line. And so mm. my, my, uh, my uh, rule proposal this year for the NFL competition committee is in the last two minutes of a game, three minutes of the game, put the umpire back behind the defensive line closer that way when he doesn't have to run 30 yards to spot the ball.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Watching the whole game from one perspective, though, and then flip it around and watch at the end. But I understand your point. I, definitely, I don't know why they moved him in the first place. Uh, we got to run, but I want to ask you quickly about the Niners' chances against the Packers. Your thoughts on what they have to do as the biggest underdog this weekend.
0: Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, they've lost two of their defensive linemen. I don't know if Nick Bosa's going to play uh, or not, uh, but I think their defense up front could give the Packers some problems. Now, the question is, can they create enough offense uh, in Green Bay uh, to be able to win the game? And, you know, they still got Debo, and not many people have stopped them this year. So, uh, you know, I give them a puncher's chance, but, again, it's going to depend on can they get the kind of pressure they got on Dak Prescott, on Aaron Rodgers, uh, to create problems for that Packers offense, which they seem to usually handle pressure pretty well.
1: For sure. There you go. All right, Mickey, I appreciate the time very much, and we will talk to you again.
0: Yeah, anytime, you guys. I enjoy being with you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Love
1: to have more time with him, but got to run.